Hi, Kevin. Yeah, you're not you're not new you're not new to the show. You actually you've been part of the team for a while. So um, thank you for accepting my invitation today, and we're gonna talk design thinking. Um, but let me start with a leading question. So where you are today and new and what you do, what how you what you see as a critical priority for the business, and maybe kind of flavor a little bit of the shared service center in 2022. So. I think for 2022, and it's maybe some it's kind of a, a reactive, I hope, of what some of the businesses and shared service centers have done uh, previously is uh, mm -hmm. reassessment. Uh, Jamie McBrerty mentioned it on a, a previous episode about uh, individuals having to take that moment to uh, pause and find a quiet space to actually think about what mm -hmm. they want in the future. So. I think the pandemic has given an opportunity to some businesses to actually uh, stop for a minute and think how the future is going to look and I say reassess. So that could be down to uh, reassess the culture of the business. That could be how to uh, keep and retain uh, key staff and to uh, appreciate employees. It's also about uh, innovation and how to implement uh, perhaps um, certain types of digitalization or uh, robotics. So I think 2022 is going to be interesting to look at from a business and shared service point of view on actually what companies have done during the pandemic to try and think how the future is going to look for them and how they can impact the future. Uh, on other episodes you've discussed uh, about, obviously, was that uh, different uh, generational yeah. uh, employees and how they will look. If companies haven't taken this time now to stop, pause, reassess, then they're probably not going to have an opportunity. I hope they're not going to, well, I hope we're not going to have another pandemic. I hope we're not going to have another financial crash in the next few years. They're not going to have that chance now because everybody needs to start moving faster for the economy. So I, I hope that they've taken that time to reassess and actually look at how they want to be a company in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And it's spot on what you say that I think that this generation of things will be the biggest challenge, right? Because you, we will have younger people coming in and in the same time, all businesses going through a transitional period, as you said. Um, so once that, the, there will be no time basically to prepare, right? You have to, to adjust on the go. Yeah, and adjusting on the go is not always the best for innovation. I know some innovation can be done uh, very quickly in certain events. Lead, if you look back throughout history, some of great uh, science innovation or uh, machinery uh, innovation has came during uh, times of national mm -hmm. disaster uh, or wars. Uh, so we're not in a war situation now, was that, however, with the pandemic, it has hopefully stopped certain uh, some companies have slowed, not all. Some companies have developed and they will have their own reassessment that they're in a completely different financial position than they were two years ago. Uh, they're much stronger in their uh, industry. So they need to kind of have that pause now as well and reassess. Because for me, 2022 is hopefully once we start getting back into a normal way of uh, living and working uh, or the new normal. And for that, the companies really need to have done strategy change and cultural change already if they want that because uh, I think over the next couple of years there won't be a chance for them mm. to do that and it's already going to be too late for them in four or five years 
uh, with the generational uh, changes for the pe- the way that people look in traditional ways of working and that young people uh, buy and shop and uh, generally just uh, live their lives. So today's topic is design thinking. So let me start by, let's say I think it's fair for the ones who doesn't know it and maybe know little about design thinking. So what is it about? Um, and then how it is different from other methodologies like lean or six sigma but also more importantly since we talk shared server center how could that how they could deliver how could they leverage design thinking in in hitting their priorities in 2022 and beyond so i'll start briefly so uh you mentioned two very good uh different uh, ways of looking for improvements there. Mm-hmm. So lean and six sigma sometimes combined as well. So so lean is generally just looks at waste. So uh, and looks to reduce or eliminate waste. So what you're looking at there is perhaps uh, to do my job, I need to click uh, five keys on my keyboard. However, I want to do the same clicking it two times or three times with the same output. So you're able to reduce waste. You, you look into how you can do that in a quicker way, more efficient. Yeah. And it's like non-value added. So something that doesn't add value to the end. Uh, Six Sigma more looks at the defaults and uh, defects, sorry, was that where part of, say, you've got a a line uh, in a plant was that and you have uh, a machine that has a short uh, life span. So it breaks every month. And every time that breaks, the whole production line stops. Then you would look to say, how can we stop that from breaking, either by removing it or extending the life of that uh, machine part? So that's more, say, Six Sigma. So you're looking to eliminate defects. Whereas design thinking focuses on the human element Mm -hmm. of the process. So you need to look uh, to find a user of, um, uh, of the process. Now, that can be anything from uh, if you've got a physical product that you hold in your hand, whether that be a phone, uh, whether that be a a coffee, whether it be anything, to an actual uh, financial process, let's just say. You've got multiple users for each of that. Now, the users can be the CFO of the company. It can be uh, the floor manager. It can be the customer who actually buys the product. It can be the supplier who uh, produces uh, the cups for your coffee to go into. It, it, it can be multiple people like that. You need to identify the users and actually focus on, the, uh, kind of put yourself in their position, using empathy and using empathy mapping to actually say, if I was this user, what is my experience during this process? So from when I switch on my computer to switching off my computer or finishing that task that I'm doing. So whether that's writing an email from opening up uh, so it's on the computer, open up Outlook, type in, just press and send. What was my experience during that? All the way, of course, to exa- you've got examples of uh, Starbucks, Costa Coffee, uh, for etc., iPhones, uh, Dyson vacuum cleaners, where people have put user experience um, mm-hmm. to the key. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't try and eliminate waste and we don't try and eliminate uh, defects as well, because that's all part of it. However, in the past, especially, let's just say, in production lines or in financial centers, uh, which I'm part of, it's very much looking at efficiency and savings. Now, design thinking 
may actually not bring you the same uh, dollar savings uh, because you're maybe not going to eliminate steps. You may even add mm. steps to it. However, what you're doing is you're improving the customer experience. And again, this goes to a generational trend where people are now looking for uh, experience. You know, we've all had great customer experience when we go, whether that be online or in, in the shop, and we are only ever uh, as good as our last customer experience. So we've all experienced bad experience. But the next time I go into a bank and I think and I leave the bank thinking, well, you know, that was very efficient. That was good. But why would I accept less after that? Yeah. I, I shouldn't. And this is where design thinking can put people and users and empathy into the process. So each process change that you make or you create a new tool, design a new tool or design a new product. It's not just looking to say, what is our end product? What do we want this to be? And what's the cost for it? It's also a case of saying, what is the experience of the user throughout the whole journey? Curiosity um, here, because you mentioned, you touched upon kind of the question that I have, I have in my mind when you were explaining the difference between the three. Could lean could if we have a project could like if we're saying lean eliminating waste and then in the process of eliminating waste that might create a bad customer experience right right fully mentioned as you said yeah is that means that we cannot have the three of them used interchangeably within the same projects or two of them because they kind of didn't work this way okay no you can still have them however you need to you need to really have a, a culture of innovation and improvement because you can't just force upon a Six Sigma project or a lean or design thinking. So if you've already got a culture of lean and Six Sigma, instead of even trying to you know, force on top of that, say, design thinking, you start include design thinking into those processes and saying, okay, yes, you're able to... Uh, uh, reduce this waste. However, what is the end product? We, we see far more at the moment. Uh, we, we went through a stage of uh, having um, mm -hmm. call centers opened up offshore and different uh, locations. Yes. And now we've even went through a phase now of uh, call centers or chats uh, being done by mm -hmm. uh, robots. Yeah. It was a chatbot where you're typing. You don't really always even know that if you're typing to a person or if you're yep. typing to a chatbot. But you get different levels of this. Now, it, that you're already seeing some companies reversing this and moving their call centers back to, uh, for, for my example, back to the UK, where they're saying no, because, yes, it was maybe uh, cost-saving. We thought it was inno innovational. However, the service that we provided was not so great. So I think it needs included. Uh, it can be adapted. And so for me, every conversation, every company that is now saying we're going to change the process, whether that means uh, I'm changing the process of how to uh, type an invoice into a computer system, into SAP, for example, then you need to look at it and say, yes, this is efficient from a tool point of view. Yes, this is efficient from a documentation or controls point of view. But what is the user experience? The person typing in to the computer and, of course, the supplier who ends up, uh, you know, getting paid and the approver mm. of the invoice. 
what is their experience during it? And are they happy with it? Uh, you know, the customer uh, user experience, according to uh, Cambridge uh, Dictionary, is the, the, the experience of someone using a, a product, service, or tool. Uh, and for example, whether they find it enjoyable and easy to use. So you need to ask yourself when you're using a, a tool, when you're using a product, when you're buying something, do you find it enjoyable yeah. and easy to use? The answer is quite a lot of not. So you can have lean, you can have Six Sigma. They are very good for what they do. However, no reason you can't kind of uh, involve uh, empathy mapping uh, or uh, identifying users into it to say, yes, this is what the outcome is going to be. And from a data point of view, it makes sense. But from a user point of view, right. does it make sense? So. Now, kind of, I'm going to recap on what you said. So, design thinking is a team immersing the, uh, immersing their their um, themselves and experience of the client, as you said, right? Establishing a rapport, emphasizing, uh, empathizing with them, in a bit um, to see the world through their eyes, like putting their themselves in their customers' uh, shoes, let's say. Um, but that might seem uncomfortably emotive, right? And this is kind of what I'm leading in. It's like about people's emotions. So, being asked not to converge on an answer, which is I've been actually in a design thinking session to say, just let's, let's talk, the, have the problem statement. I think this is kind of the, um, the first steps, right? So yeah, as a practitioner of design thinking, how best to lead design thinking sessions, considering all of these elements? So you, you need to make the rules quite clear at the beginning that mm -hmm. it's an open conversation. We want openness. We want people to not be afraid to put up an idea because we always have this reservation. Let's just say you're on a workshop and you're putting on the whiteboard your posters. You always have a reservation. Is this somebody going to laugh at me? How you know We're all unique individuals, so you always have this uh, emotional impact where do I want to do the same as when you're in a meeting or on a call? Is that, do you put your hand up? Do you speak? Do you ask this? You think, I have this question, but it's a stupid question. Everybody else in the call probably knows the answer. Mm. They don't. Yeah, the question you want to ask or the what you want to put up uh, is valid and you should put it up. So it, it needs to be from the practitioner's point of view to encourage that right from the beginning. Uh, there should be no hierarchy yeah. within the sessions. So uh, it's also up to how... You group people. So if I was doing a design thinking workshop, uh, I wouldn't just invite, for example, you know, I wouldn't put five uh, finance managers in one group and say, here's the problem. Uh, you have somebody who uh, works in uh, financial accounting and they, I'll use the example again, they post an invoice. Please work on how to improve that uh, user experience. W what you'll find if you use five financial managers, they will come with a ready-made solution. You'll, you'll leave them for one hour. They'll put up one or two ideas. They'll agree to it. They could probably even approve it and sign off the finances uh, for it within one hour and say, here you go, this is it. Because it fits into what their culture is. Whereas if you group that with, say, uh, one finance manager, uh, one person who does the process, uh, maybe even a, a receptionist from the company, Somebody completely out with it, uh, a supplier, an employee from outside of your business, bring into it uh, as well. If you group them together, 
and told them there's no hierarchy. Put up all of your ideas. The more you encourage them, be around their shoulder whispering to them, okay, what about that idea? Come on, I'm not seeing you put any post-its up. Get as many ideas up as possible. What you will find then is the finance manager will open their mind and say, wow, actually, this is it. Because the receptionist is going to ask the question that nobody else is going to ask. Because they, they, they don't need to pretend to be an expert at this. The supplier is going to ask a question that will you know, be a complete curveball to the whole uh, uh, the, to the whole process because nobody's ever thought about it from their point of view before. So you need to make the rules clear. There's no hierarchy. You want as many ideas put up as possible, and you want them to be honest, put up as quick as possible. You want people to write ideas, put them up forward. It, over the time of a workshop, so you can have workshops in one hour. You can have it over three days, five days. It, it depends on what you mm. want to do. But definitely, it's in the encouragement to put up the ideas as quickly as possible. You can filter out as the hour goes on, as the session goes on. You can start filtering out so you come to an alignment uh, on what you think is the best process. But definitely, uh, you need to eliminate hierarchy. You need to encourage openness. And, uh, you know, there's sometimes the, you, when you, if you've got time, you even encourage for each person to put up the most crazy idea they can think onto the board just so that you've got, for example, four or five crazy ideas up there. And sometimes from those crazy ideas, you're able to filter out and build on that into a very good idea that actually works. All right. Design thinking is about, is about people done by people, right? So there's a, we are emotional creatures. So there's kind of challenge in here. So people's intuitions often incorrect, right? And it's often difficult for people to, you know, revise their thinking. It's like they live in that, and you mentioned a little bit like the echo box or echo room, right? Yeah. How could we avoid that while applying design thinking? And you mentioned a little bit of that, but like how really concrete, you know, concrete steps like eliminate that default in our emotional complex as a human? So it is difficult. We all see uh, in the world around us where exactly you have this uh, echo box where, uh, especially with, say, social media, you know, uh, I'm, you know, you're on Twitter or you're on uh, Facebook and you read a certain type of magazine and you read news from a certain type of uh, uh, newspaper, then you get information that comes to you. Yeah. Now, and then you have somebody reading the same data, reading the same information, the same uh, basic news, but they read it from a different uh, Twitter forward. They read it from a different a newspaper and they have completely different ideas on it. So it's difficult to say whether somebody is um, correct or not uh, when it says, okay, your original idea was right or not. However, for me, and one of the good things around um, design thinking is part of the process, you, you, you not only put yourself in the user, and each person is unique. You know, We're shaped by the way that uh, mm -hmm. our family, the culture, uh, mm -hmm. life events around us. Yeah, was that uh, each person is unique individual and that shapes the way that we look on uh, life and we look at news and we look at data and we look at work. So what we kind of need to do is when we do design thinking, that's why we use empathy. That's why we put ourselves into the user's uh, perspective and say, why does this person think that? You know, I don't know about you, but I've definitely been on calls where I've presented data that 100% for me tells me that we're doing a good job. And when we have a, a, but then the feedback I get is that we're not, or vice versa. 
I get the data and I'm thinking, oh my God, we're doing a really bad job. But when I speak to another person, they're telling me, no, oh, Kevin, we're very happy with how everything's working. And you're kind of thinking, okay, so how do I do that? Because the data tells me one thing. And if I look at Six Sigma Lean, that would be telling me that yeah. I don't need to make any changes. So you need to try and understand why that person thinks that way. Now, you might automatically think, do a customer survey. Customer survey tells us everything we want to know. It doesn't always work because quite often people just tell you what you want to hear uh, or what they think they should say. Uh, Sylvia alluded to, to it when talking about the generation change and uh, you know the the great migration of work uh, workers, uh, the great resignation uh, of workers. When you looked at that and said, you know, the amount of people who say things like, oh, I don't like working for this employee because uh, the coffee's yeah. not good. The, the, the coffee's not the reason no. the person's leaving. There's other reasons behind it. So you need to try and find out, uh, go deeper down. And quite often with design thinking, we create prototypes and we create um, kind of uh, workable ways of seeing. Now, that can be a, a creating a physical product during the workshop. So that could just be using post-its or bits of paper and tape. And you create something that actually shows what the product will be. Or it could be writing on the wall the process flow of a new uh, uh, financial process. This way, that actually helps trigger for a lot of people and think, ah, now I understand what you're trying to say. Yes, you've put yourself into my shoes. You've tried to hear it from my point of view. I now see the product. I now see uh, it's written on the wall. And it now makes sense to me. An example for that in real life could well be uh, BlackBerry. BlackBerry phones was the uh, world's market leader not that long ago. They, they created uh, on their mobile phones, they created, and they changed the way that people work on mobile phones. They put a, a physical QWERTY keyboard onto their phone. And everybody was like, this is great. Yeah, I'm able to work now while I'm, uh, I'm able to send emails. I'm able to send messages much, much easier. It's great, it's great, it's great. And then companies like uh, Apple, Samsung, and others then started developing the smartphone and said, okay, we are going to put the QWERTY keyboard, but we're going to put it on to the actual screen. And you can remove it and add it. At some point, BlackBerry, management, designers, and spoke to their uh, customers, their loyal customers, and said, what do you prefer? Do you prefer a physical keyboard or do you want a keyboard on a screen that disappears? They said physical keyboard. Great. We're going to stick. We're going to go with physical keyboard. That is our business. This is our future. This is what we're going to market. And what happened? Once the user started seeing smartphones, once they started seeing what the smartphones could do, they're like, okay, thank you, BlackBerry. It was nice, uh, nice being loyal to you for the last five years, 10 years. But no, sorry, I'm an iPhone user now. I'm Samsung. I'm Android. And that's kind of an idea for it. So people can have their set ways of knowing or thinking they know. And we see that. Look at the, the political issues we've had in the last uh, few years. You know, you have, uh, for myself in uh, Great Britain, you have you've had the Scottish referendum in, uh, for independence in 2014. You had Brexit in 2016, where you've got countries that are split in half. One half completely believes one thing. The other half completely agrees, uh, thinks the other. And yet they're reading the same data. They're reading the same data, they're watching the same news, in some cases, and they are just completely thinking different. You cannot get, there's that small, you know, 5%, 10% which will jump from one to the other. And it's how, you know, it's difficult identifying that. It's amazing how people have this set idea in their head that this is 
the truth. And I believe this is the truth. And this comes into a design thinking. We, we need to try and identify why does somebody think this? Maybe it's correct. Maybe I think it's incorrect. Maybe they are correct. The design thinking tries to delve into that in more, uh, more detail to call it out so that we can improve processes and products so that when the user does get it, we either convince them that yes, they were right, or we try and uh, once they see the product, they change their mind and say, I didn't think that was going to work, but you know what? That does work. Yeah, absolutely. You know, very quick comment on this. I think we do survey surveys and pools because we are lazy. And I think we are, we are obsessed with data and using those tools make it easier for us to sometimes confirm bias. And on the other hand, it's so much confusing for people because the answers to the surveys is not only reflections from their intuitions or the feeling what they should answer instead of what they think should be the right answer from their perspective, yes. but, but just confirm bias. Because when you see a scale like one to five, it's so hard to say what well, that's a one or what well, that's a four and what then what's the difference between a three and four. So I think it make it, it's not the best way to have surveys and you totally get that design thinking is the right way because, and then you have that connection established, that trust, and then it's not like numerical things, right? It's not like, uh, you know, um, a, lo a very low, low, um, neutral, and then high and very high. Like, okay, what's the difference between all of these, right? <laughs> yeah. No, it's a very good point. I think surveys have a very important role to play. So don't get me wrong. I think surveys are good. However, I don't think um, businesses should make uh, strategic changes based only on surveys. I think surveys is uh, taking kind information of information tool. Maybe you would say like a health a health check exactly. information. This is collecting some information. So for me, uh, a very simple way to say uh, when design thinking should be used or not is is it a fact based. Uh, are you making this um, improvement based on facts or are you making it based on uh, opinion? So my product fails 10% of the time. You have data that proves that. You can try and then do a Six Sigma product to make that 10%, 1%, 0.1%. 0 .1%. If it's opinion-based, if it's opinion-based, you can't put facts or numbers behind it. That is opinion-based. That is when design thinking is good to use. Good. You mentioned an interesting story of BlackBerry and the, and the way they went through and unfortunately failed as a business. And, and, and basically, because they didn't take the risk, right? Design thinking, as you said, is about putting all of sort of crazy idea out there. And, and those crazy ideas helps people trigger imagination in innovations and you know good idea out of it but that's that means taking risk and you know taking risk is not something businesses would be you know um how you call it uh, it's not their, their preferred way right and this creating conflict yep. especially when when you do a design thinking and then you put forward a proposal as an output of that session to senior management, senior management won't only think hard dollars, what's the risk we're taking. And, and that's mostly kills anything gets out in design thinking. So great sessions, nothing happened after, right? So how could we avoid it? It takes time. You need to build the culture of uh, continuous improvement. 
within it. This is what I said at the beginning. So you can't just force in design thinking. You need to have buy-in. You need to have buy-in from stakeholders. Uh, another uh, example. So again, the BlackBerry, yes. Uh, another example would be uh, Dyson. Mm -hmm. So uh, Lord James uh, Dyson. He had a vacuum cleaner. It didn't work to his expectations. He went and he bought a top-of-the-range vacuum cleaner. Didn't work to his expectations. He uh, was already an inventor. He'd already designed uh, uh, the ball barrel and things like this, and even uh, ships was that uh, for uh, the Navy. So he was already an inventor, and he got the fact, and he figured, how can I make it better? And he, he designed the bagless vacuum cleaner. He said that the bag stops uh, uh, the, the suction and doesn't make it as efficient as it should be. So what he did was he designed a prototype, and he went to all of the main man manufacturers and said, I've designed this. Do you want to buy it from me? I have the patents. Buy it from me. Every single one said no. Every single one. Now, there's maybe a couple of reasons. I know that uh, the, the vacuum cleaner companies made a lot of money from uh, reselling bags. That was, you know, because they sell their product once, but they know for the next five years people are buying bags. So they got a percentage of those bags. So that was a way that they continued to make money. But also, it could be said, was that those companies not working wanted to take a risk? Because I think the excuse most companies said was people don't want to see what's what the vacuum sucks up. And you're not going to put it into a bin. They want it in a bag so they don't see. Now, the question is, was that just companies not taking a risk? They were stuck in their own silo. Mm. They believed what they were doing was correct. They didn't take the risk to increase it. Now, of course, it took Dyson many years, uh, over a decade, to actually then find a, his own manufacturer, uh, make his own uh, mass-produced Dyson vacuum cleaner, and now it's the yep. number one uh, vacuum cleaner in the world. And it's, uh, his brand is all over the place. And he uses it. And look at all his, uh, look at all his um, uh, products. None of them are reinventions. None of them, sorry, are uh, inventions. They're reinventing. He's evolving what is already invented and making it more productive, more um, uh, better looking and more efficient. Yeah, and charging a lot more for it as well than those companies. So that was those companies that wanted to take a risk. So you need to have, uh, from leadership downwards, you need to have this continuous improvement culture for people to say, I am willing to take this risk. Uh, and this brings me back to my first point about this reassessment. I hope some companies, I hope businesses have taken this point to reassess and think, where do I want to get to? Where do I want to be in the future? You know, business has slowed down, was that business has been challenging. However, it's also given business a chance to reassess and say, do I want to invest in innovation? Do I want to be this risk taker? Where do I want to be? Do I want to look after uh, the new generation of employees? Uh, these are all risks that they need to decide. And the risks that the decision that they're making today will turn them into the next uh, BlackBerry or the next. I think license. my strongest argument in this, Kevin, is if you're talking shared service center, Right, in particular, because that's I think is closest what we do, both of us. I think the long, the, the, the how you call it, the, the low hanging fruit are gone. We got them all, and and yep. like to put a more concrete labor arbitrage. That's it, done. Right, that's tick in the box. What's next yep. needs needs to needs some businesses to take risk, investing in new solutions piloting them, investing in people, that's taking risk because if you invest in a person yes. that, that leaves you next day after you've, you know, and you get nothing out of it, 
that's means n- taking risk. And I think because that's yep. a, not an easy decision, because that's means money, right? That's pushes businesses out of their comfort zone, how they could retain talents because hiring is, is becoming harder, right? Harder and harder. And I think that's will not change. And this is what I want to revisit with my um, uh, upcoming interviews work uh, called the work 2.0, how it looks like the market. And I think there's a lot of, um, how you call it, wrong ideas about the market will just come down, will calm down when when that equi- yeah. a new equilibrium of demand and supply of talent is, and therefore that there's no need to take an action right now, but this will not happen. But this is a different conversation. I think we have all, as you say, build that culture of discovery, right? So let's see. No, uh- I think it's definitely, I think there's, we need to take some risks, but we yeah, need to yeah. take measured risks. Yeah. Because you've also, for every Dyson, uh, you have a company a fail. that's tried sure. and uh, fails as well sure. that we don't even know of, uh, because they've done, but definitely for shared service centers, uh, the low hanging fruit has been collected. It's now time to look. And that doesn't just mean then we robotize things and yeah, we, no. uh, it doesn't only mean that. It's how we look at, uh, for me, it's how we look at the service because People growing up today, people who are going to be working for us and our customers in 10 years' time, they are looking for service. They are looking at a different, they are growing up in yep. a different world than what you and myself and uh, yep. people have always did. True. Last but not least, Kevin, my favorite segment, Caught yes. Quick. So I, I'll mention a few things and you basically rate them, um, whether that's underrated, properly rated, or overrated, and you could give a um, quick comment on them. And uh, let me start by design thinking in shared service centers. Underrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it's something that uh, can just be a, a buzzword that more and more shared services are aware of. Some are uh, very good at implementing it and have been implementing it for a few years. Uh, others, not so much. I, I think it is something, though, that uh, you can't force upon people. But it is something that is underrated and should right. be part of the second trip. one is customer centricity. Properly rated, however, uh, not always done properly. Okay, so I think uh, most uh, centers rate it highly and do it. However, it doesn't always mean that All they right. do it correctly. And the last on my list is business case and project management, especially in shared service centers. Uh, same as previous. Was I think it's properly rated. I think I've never worked in a center or a project where we didn't have it. However, uh, it doesn't always mean that the business case, uh, the, the key points for the business case are updated to how we work now or using the customer experience again. Yeah. yeah? I've never really seen a business case saying what is the customer experience benefits from this. It's, it's- it's all, it always tangible, there. right? It's like figures. Yeah. It's figures. And this is when you base it on a Six Sigma project and you're able to say, this is the cost. We want to reduce the cost or we want to uh, increase uh, yeah. productivity. You put the figures down there and the return on investment. Is it worthwhile? Is it not? When do we get the money back? Six months, 12 months, 24 months? I don't see a customer service. I'm not sure if I've ever seen customer service score written there uh, cool. on any business. My last question is actually at the end, and I ask it to every guest um, came up to the show. 
Um, so what's the next big thing you have in your agenda in 2022? So I wish I had uh, listened to uh, Jamie's, uh, McBrarty's uh, episode first because I would have had all my, I would have been able to uh, pause and think of how my future is going to be and to write it down because if you write it down, you, you've got three times more likely to actually achieve it. I, I wish I'd done that. I didn't. Not I might too still late. do it. It's not too late. Yeah. However, I definitely think uh, I've recently started a new job sit uh, within the same company I was, so I'm still trying to learn every day, uh, get to know the different people I'm working with. So that's a big uh, challenge for me at the moment. But uh, I want to actually expand my knowledge of design thinking. I want to do some workshops, uh, some more workshops this year. And I'm actually looking to um, complete my Six Sigma Black Belt uh, certificate this year as well. Uh, so I started some of it last year, so I want to be able to take that off uh, so that, uh, you know, I, I'm not saying that design thinking is the only way of looking at it. I believe it's that combination. And by improving myself during my workshops of, uh, of uh, design thinking and by being uh, Black Belt certified in Six Sigma, I hope to be able to com combine the two and look for uh, factual savings, money savings, but also putting the customer service in there Thank as well. You. Fantastic. Just um, because you mentioned Jamie, Jamie, he's running actually and uh, promoting that because it's free uh, of charge. Um, he's doing actually, I think, a masterclass between 25th and 27th of January. Um, a masterclass for how to plan and how to set goals and, you know, um, how to have an inspiration life. So to everyone and to you, Kevin, maybe that, that's a good place to start with. <laughs> You did. I've already okay, signed cool. up I did for, too. I've already signed up for I like yeah, Jamie's classes. Brilliant. Was that uh, Jamie and myself come yeah, from the same city? So on your international podcast, uh, you've had two people from Dundee, two people from St. John's High School. Uh, so it's a small world where we have an international podcast. People uh, from over the world are listening and watching uh, and guests from over. But, uh, you know, I think uh, Dundee must be doing something right in St. John's High School. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Something. I love talking to Jamie. Love talking to Jamie. Um, all right. Thanks a lot, um, Kevin. Um, and um, I hope to speak to you too soon again. Thanks. We will do. Thanks. <laughs>